Sichas, Chelikud Gimel, that's volume 13, second Sicha for Parshas Nasa, that's on page 20. We're going to learn, in less than a half hour, a whole Rashi Sicha. It's a rather short Sicha, but a very informative one. It's going to teach us a lot of rules that the Rebbe defined and highlighted in the study of Rashi. For example, we're going to find out how every single word in Rashi, every expression, and even the order in which Rashi presents his Pirush. Moreover, even his choice of Dibur Hamaschil, of the headings of the Rashis, adds tremendous insight into the understanding of the Pasuk and the full, gives us a full background. Sometimes in a few short words, Rashi gives us an entire picture. All we need to do, as the Rebbe does for us, he walks us through it, is to really look at it closely and analyze it sometimes and with that we can get a full deep understanding of Rashi. Let's go for it. So in the verse that the Torah tells us that when Moshe would come to the oil Moed, when Hashem wanted to speak with him, he would hear the sound, he would hear the voice of Hashem speaking to him, and it spoke to him. If I asked you to take a brief moment, pause, and analyze it yourself, you'd come up already with some of the questions. Why does it repeat itself? Why is it saying again, Hashem spoke to him, when Hashem wanted to speak to him, he spoke to him, and he spoke to him. So, Mephadish Rashi, Rashi explains, Vayidaber Elov, that's the Dibur HaMaschil, the heading. Rashi says, Lemayit Aray Min This was to exclude Aray from the talks that Hashem gave to Moshe. So when Hashem spoke, He spoke to Moshe and to Moshe exclusively. Kavonas Rashi Bepashtusi, it's obvious, Bepashtus, that what Rashi's intent here is to point out, Hatevais Vayidaber Elov, Hemiyutaris L'chayra. As we just said, the words, Vayedaber Elov, and he spoke to him, seem to be superfluous. We already said that. Ki already stated before that, Vayishma Sakol Medaber Elov, that Moshe heard the voice speaking to him. Velochin, and therefore, Mefarish, Rashi explains, Shehichpil Hakosuf, that the Torah said it a second time, the Torah doubled it, Lahadgish, this is to stress, to underscore, Shehadibur Hoya Elov, that the talk, that the speech of Hashem was to him, El Moshe, the Rebbe stresses in the parentheses and italics, he stresses the word Moshe, Dafka, specifically to him. And in quotes, Ulemayit Arim Iradibris. And this is to exclude Arim from him having heard the talks that Hashem gave. Laachar Shepirish Rashi, Elov. Now, after Rashi, explains these words by Yedaber Elov that Hashem spoke exclusively to Moshe. Maitik hu esatevois, Rashi quotes the words, Vayishma esakoil, and he heard the voice. Umefarish, and Rashi explains, quote, Yachol, koil namuch, I maybe would have thought, perhaps one would have suggested that this is some kind of low, silent voice, 
Talmud Leimar, Es Hakol. Therefore, the Torah teaches us the words, Es Hakol, the voice, with the Hey, the Hey Hayidia. Hu Hakol, this is the same voice, this is the same sound. Sinai, that spoke to him at Har Sinai. But however, when it reached the door, the doorway of the oil moyed, the entrance of the oil moyed, it stopped, it cut off, and it did not go out of the oil moyed of the tent of meeting. The Kavanasi Vipashtasi, it seems obvious that the intent of Rashi is, Sheloshin Hakosov, that the Torah's expression, as Hakoil, that the Torah says it's the voice, that he heard the voice, Behei Hayidiyah, with the identifying, Hey, Mashmienu, this teaches us, Shehu Hakoil Hayidu Mikvar, that this is the already well established, well, well known, so to speak, sound, well-known voice that we know of already. The same voice that spoke to Moshe in Sinai when Moshe received the Torah. Where else did we find the voice of Hashem speaking directly to Moshe? And this voice, Vadai, it's certain, that this was, and the Rebbe quotes the words as it's, we're going to read on Shavuos, we read, that the Torah was presented by Hashem in a loud voice, in a tremendous voice. Because all 600,000 men, and in the parentheses the Rebbe puts in the nation and the women, etc. Meaning, let's understand what the Rebbe is pointing out here. It's not only the men that heard it, it's the women and the children. And if you make just a conservative estimation, there were several million people there standing at the foot of Mount Sinai, and they all heard this voice. So obviously this is a loud voice. So we need to understand. Aleph, number one. Bakas of Nemar, read the Pasuk, read what it says in the Pasuk. It says, It says he heard the voice. The Rebbe says in parentheses, in the acronym, and only after that does it say, speaking to him, and then it concludes, and it spoke to him. Question. Why is it that Rashi changes around the order, and what does he do? First he explains the word medaber speaking to him, then he explains vayedaber elav, and he spoke to him exclusively. Kaidem, this he does before, prior to prior to him explaining that he heard the voice and explained that this was the great voice, the same one that Hashem spoke to him with at Mount Sinai. So already here we see a rule in Rashi. The order in the headings in Rashi, the order in which Rashi chooses to explain the Pasuk also adds a lot of insight, gives us a perspective by the time we're done. Base, number two. Mizesh of Rashi, from the fact that Rashi writes, Yochel koil namuch, I would have thought, perhaps one would have suggested that this was a low sound, mashma, this implies, that the actual rational approach would be 
to this that this was indeed a low sound. And therefore the Pasuk comes to inform us, the Pasuk comes to negate that, that this is the same voice which spoke to him, to Moshe at Mount Sinai. It would seem, it would seem that one needs to first understand from where, why would we have established without the Pasuk correcting us, why would we establish that it's rationally more suitable to say that this voice was actually indeed a low voice? And not maybe an average voice. means what, what commonly would be. And here we see something very interesting. And this is also logical. And this you find throughout. Anytime you learn Gemara, anytime you learn a Mimer, anytime you learn a Rashi. The fact that I have to address something, the fact that I have to negate some kind of presumed rationale tells us that that rationale is a true one. In other words, if it had no place in reality, there's no reason for me to address it. Just like the fact that you answer a question and you give it some time, you give it some thought, already establishes that that is legitimate. So the fact that Rashi says, why is the Pasuk saying this to me? Because I would have thought that this may have been a very low voice. Therefore, the Torah has to establish, no, it's not. The fact that the Torah has to negate it tells us that it's a legitimate thought. Why? Why is that a legitimate thought? Why would have I thought so? Gimel, the third question. In order, it would seem that in order to explain, in order to means to settle, to make sense, why the Torah refers to it as the voice with the known hey, it would suffice for Rashi to just tell us, oh, this is that voice which we already know about, that pre-established voice that we're all aware of, that Hashem had spoken to Moshe. However, the Lama Moisif Khan, why does Rashi have to add, Loimer, to say, quote, that when that voice reached the doorway of the oil Moed, it stopped. It doesn't seem to really matter. It doesn't really seem to have place in this Rashi. It seems to be at least at first glance, superfluous information. And this already establishes another fact. When Rashi tells us something, whatever he tells us, notice this rule, whatever he tells us is prudent, is crucial to Rashi's pirush, to what he wants us to understand in the Pasuk. Otherwise, Rashi is not an information center. Rashi is not just giving us interesting, superfluous information to fill up space. That's not what Rashi is about. So we have to understand why and how this fits in to the Pirush of Rashi and why it's crucial. Number four, Loma Maitik Rashi Gama Tevis. Why does also Rashi quote the words Vayishma Esakoil? Rashi is really here to address what? All Rashi really is, is explaining. His whole objective in this Rashi is to explain to us the voice. What is this, the voice? Where is this voice from? So why does he also quote in the heading Vayishma S? 
And then again, this is another rule which the Rebbe had established throughout in Rashi. The fact that Rashi quotes words from the Pasuk, that is already part of the Pirush. In other words, in the, in the heading of the Rashi that he's quoting from the Pasuk, that in itself is part of Rashi's Pirush. Or perhaps you can say that in itself is the question. Usually, the heading is already in place of the question. Typically, Rashi doesn't ask a question. He just jumps into the answer. He expects us to look at the heading that he quotes and from there understand the question and all its details. Vehabir b'cholzeh, chapter 2, and the explanation of all of this. And actually, it's interesting, it doesn't say vehapirush. Pirush means the explanation, but rather it says vehabir, the clarification. The Rebbe is going to shed light. Beer, think about it, think of it as coming from the word or, light. You shed more light, it gives us a lot of clarity and gives us a full picture. After, and the Rebbe underscores the word after by printing it in italics. After Rashi explained to us that the words Vayedaber Elov, that he spoke to him, comes to exclude Aaron, Vahainu, which means Sha'arin, Gambi Yoise be oil moid, Lishama Sadibris. That even Aaron, even while he was in the oil moid with Moshe, he would enter together with him, he didn't hear anything. This actually triggers the logic, the rationale. To perhaps suggest to say, perhaps the fact that Aaron didn't hear the Debris, the fact that Aaron didn't hear the speech that went on between Hashem and Moshe, is not due to any miraculous effect, but rather it was a natural phenomenon. Meaning, the voice was a very low one. And therefore Moshe, who was a giber, he was outstanding in his physical abilities. We already have an established fact, a precedent to the fact that Moshe was extraordinarily strong and capable. All the way in the beginning of his career, when we first encounter Moshe, in the beginning of Book of Shemois, when he comes to Midian, and what does he encounter? The daughters of Yisrael being harassed by the shepherds. And what does it say? Moshe, and the Rebbe quotes the verse, Moshe stood up, and it was against the Royim. The Rebbe stresses again in italics that it was not one shepherd, it was many shepherds. It was at least two, perhaps even more. And Moshe was able to single-handedly fight them all off and help and save the daughters of Israel. So we already know, we have an image of Moshe being really, really very physically fit, very physically capable. So I would have thought, Yeshleimar, perhaps one could have suggested, Shekol Chusha Vativim, that all his natural senses, Hayubihizkabrus, they were extraordinarily strong. Even in reference, even in contrast to Aaron, who Aaron himself was strong and capable. And therefore, I could have thought, that's why he heard the voice, which Aaron didn't hear because Aaron wasn't as strong. Now, even if you think about it, 
If you place yourself in a situation, you're in a big room, and someone's speaking very, very quietly. He's saying a secret to someone. Unless you have an extraordinary capacity of hearing, you're not going to pick up anything. Especially when it's not directed to you, it's directed into someone's ear. So I would have suggested that. And according to this, we would also have clarity in the fact that the Torah stresses that the fact that the Torah associates the hearing with Moshe. The Torah says, He heard the voice, he heard the sound. So I would have thought, that the fact that the fact that it spoke to him and not to Aaron, I would have surmised, I would have come to conclusion that the reason for it is, that it's only Moshe who was able to hear it. In other words, I would have perhaps, without Rashi, and without any clarification, without any intervention, so to speak, of Rashi, I would have thought, you know what? He heard the voice, and not Aaron. Why is that? Because Moshe had greater senses, and the voice was a low voice, and putting that all together, he was the only one who heard the loy Aaron, and not Aaron. And this is Rashi's intent. This is Rashi's purpose. When he says, This is why Rashi says to us, I would have thought, one would have suggested that it was a low voice. And this is, Now we understand the order of the way Rashi explains the Pasuk. Remember we asked, why does Rashi explain first, he spoke to him, even though that's at the end of the Pasuk, and then he jumps back to the, closer to the beginning of the Pasuk, where it says, and he heard the voice. Once we know the end of the Pasuk, he spoke to him, to him only, excluding Aaron, we go back and we say, he's the only one who heard the voice. Well, it must be a low voice. And now we understand why this suggestion, in the absence of Rashi's clarification, would have been a legitimate one. It would have been a rational one. Only after the fact that we already know, we establish through Rashi's teachings, that when it says, he spoke to him and to him only, it is to exclude Aaron, I would have perhaps thought, to say, that it was a low voice. And this Aaron did not have the ability, the capacity to hear it. Naturally. Therefore, Rashi establishes, quote, Talmud Leimar, therefore the Torah teaches us as Hakoil, the voice. This is the voice that spoke to him in, 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 in Har Sinai. It was obviously, certainly, as we already know, and as already above mentioned, this was a loud, stormy voice. And since this is so, 
Now we know that the fact that Aaron did not hear the voice, this was not for natural reasons. This wasn't a natural phenomenon. Rather that only because of a miracle, it was only that Moshe that heard the voice. And this is what the Torah stresses, Vayishma. Now we understand the word in the Pesach, and we understand why Rashi quotes it in the Dibur Hamaschil in the heading. It's not just the voice, it's that he heard the voice. The fact that he was the only one who can hear such a stormy, loud voice, Chidushaya. This is a novelty, this is something extraordinary. That only Moshe was able to hear it. In fact, the, the fact that no one else can hear it is the miracle. And that's why Rashi quotes it, the, the novelty here and the extraordinary effect here, element here, is not just that it was the voice, that it was a loud voice, but the fact that it's such a loud, stormy voice and only Vayishma, singular, he, Moshe, was able to hear. Chapter 3. Omnom, however, According to this, what we have now all established and understood, now a question pops up. Tisoyer literally means will arouse, awaken. This awakens another question. This brings another question to play. It would make sense if this was a low voice. Or at the very least, if it wasn't a loud, stormy voice. Move on, it would be understood. It would be understood why Moshe had to enter the oil moed in order to hear the voice. It would make sense. Because since it's a low voice, Moshe has to physically enter in order to hear it. If someone's whispering, you have to get closer. You actually put your hand by your ear to make sure that the voice enters and you can hear it. Avo! However, Whatever puts it in quotations, he quotes Rashi. Since this is the voice that spoke to him at Sinai. This is a loud, stormy voice. This voice had the qualities. The nature of this voice is that it can be heard to a great distance. As we've established before, millions of people heard it. In fact, we know that this voice reverberated throughout the entire world. Certainly outside of the oil and yet it only can be heard to Moshe. Even to Aaron it wasn't heard through a miracle. Even Aaron, while he was in the oil it wasn't heard, it wasn't even heard to him. He couldn't hear the voice. In other words, it was a very loud voice. And it could have been heard all over the place. So there's no need for Moshe to go in. Not only there's no need for Moshe to go in. Even the one who went in couldn't hear it. So what's the purpose of Moshe entering the oil mayed in order to hear the voice when he could have remained in his place? And the voice, just as it didn't reach Aaron while he was in the oil mayed, it could have reached Moshe wherever he was and no one else would hear it. The fact is that Aaron didn't hear it even though he was right near this stormy loud voice. In Canaan, if so, 
למה הוצרך מוישה לבוא לאויל מויד לשמוע יסקרו? This is where the question comes up. Why is it that Moshe had to physically enter the oil moed, the tent of meeting, in order to hear it? If once we've established that this is a stormy, loud voice, and that's not the reason why Aaron didn't hear it, because it was a low voice, correct? It was a miraculous thing. The miracle could have occurred anywhere. Why is it that Hashem had Moshe coming into the oil moed to hear this voice? Well, Yashiv Shailazu, in order to answer this question, and the Rebbe points out in the parentheses, Hamisireres Dafka Laachere Shepire Shehu that only comes up, it only pops up once we establish that this was the loud voice, not a low voice, but the loud voice that spoke to him at Sinai. To answer this question, Mam Sheikh Rashi, Rashi continues. And now we understand the answer to the question which he asked, why does Rashi seem to be adding superfluous information? What is the purpose of it? How does it connect to the essential purpose of this Rashi? And therefore Rashi adds, quote, That when it reached the doorway, it would stop and it did not go outside. It did not extend outside of the tent of meeting. This means, i.e., that indeed, because of the nature, because of the qualities of this voice, this loud, stormy voice, certainly it would have reached far and beyond the oil moyet, far and beyond even the, the, the encampment of the Jews, for miles and miles. That's how loud it was. Ella, Rather, and the Rebbe puts, puts in parentheses, shall ye deines, that by means of a miracle, kishemagia lepesach hoyenivsak, Rashi, he quotes again Rashi, when it reached the doorway, it would stop, it was nivsak, and Rashi, I'm sorry, the Rebbe puts the word nivsak in italics again to underscore that it was, so to speak, forcibly stopped by itself and its own qualities, it would have extended and gone on and on. But it was forcibly stopped, and it did not go outside of the oil moyet. And therefore, Huskak Moshe, Moshe had no choice. Moshe was forced to love oil to come to the oil moyet. So what we have here in summary is we have first of all that there were several miracles. Number one. It was the great voice, the same voice that he heard at Mount Sinai. Number two, although it was such a loud voice, Aaron didn't hear it, no one else heard it. Number three, this same voice stopped right there. It remained in the tent of meeting. It remained right there, confined to that place. And this, we see how beautifully the order of Rashi. In other words, the only way the question pops up is once Rashi establishes what is, what is pointed at out in the end of the Pasuk, in the end of the verse, and only after that do we go back, not because we're going in a, in a, a, a disordinary fashion, rather because, disorderly fashion, I'm sorry, but rather because the question only pops up after that. And that's where it requires the clarity. And here we got the full picture. Chapter 4. Miyena shal Rashi. From the wine of Torah. What is the wine of Torah? We know the Chachamim tell us, Nichnas Yayin, Yatsasait. When the wine comes in, 
it brings out the secrets. The production of wine is the same way. When you look at a grape, you don't see any quality wine. Maybe an expert can see the potential of it. But after you squeeze that grape, you take out its juice and it ferments and it goes through the process, do you now get the quality, the deep secrets come out. Likewise, Rashi is Pshutisha Mikra, absolute Pshat. But in Rashi, in the depths of Rashi, hidden away between the words, between the lines, is Yena Shal Torah, the wine of Torah, the deep secrets, the messages. Although Rashi's objective, as he tells us, is to just explain the Psukim, but just like the Torah itself is not there to tell us stories and just to inform us with interesting historical facts, rather to teach us how to live our lives and to give us depth and perspective on how to live life as a Jew and have the proper perspective, likewise Rashi does the same. And here's what the Rebbe goes into it. And I'll just paraphrase it. The question could be asked, think about it. Hashem created a miracle. We know that Hashem doesn't make a miracle in vain. What really is the reason that if Hashem is using this loud, stormy, booming voice, that it stopped right there at the doorway of the entrance of meeting? Why did he make this miracle? What's the purpose? And of course we know the rule. God never makes a miracle in vain. A miracle has a purpose, has a reason. And Rashi therefore has to add, this is the same voice that spoke to him at Sinai. That voice of Sinai, let's look into that playbook, what happened by Har Sinai. What took place there? Hashem spoke. Everybody heard. Everybody was inspired. And suddenly, Hashem says, When that horn sounds, the Shekhinah goes, and that voice is going to stop. And the rest, I'm going to transmit through you. Through the private transmission, Hashem will speak to Moshe. Why is that? Why did Hashem do it? Why did He deprive the people of hearing Hashem? Why? There's a reason for it. He wanted them to hear it. He wanted us to be inspired by it, but then at the same time, he wanted us not to hear it anymore. And the reason for it is as follows. Imagine if that voice would have continued. If that voice would have continued on and never stopped, or continued on for a long time, what would have happened? What would have done that done to the people? It would have robbed them, it would have deprived them of the most essential gift that we have. And that is Bechiro Chavshi's free choice. When you hear Hashem speaking to you, saying, which is the foundation, it's the core of all the positive commandments. And you should not have any other gods, which again is the foundation, the core of all negative commandments. How can you not do a mitzvah? How can you transgress? There's no way you can. You're hearing Hashem's voice. It's reverberating in your mind, in your ears. Therefore, Hashem stopped it. And the same thing is with this voice here. If it would have continued on beyond the oil mayad, even if the people wouldn't have heard it, essentially what that would have done is transformed the entire camp of the Jewish people and the entire world into the same aura of Kedusha, of holiness, as in the oil mayad. 
When you're in the oil mayad, you can't sin. When you're in the oil mayad, in, in, in the place of meeting where the Shekhinah is fully there in its full glory, you cannot even have a bad thought. That takes away free choice. That deprives us from any of that because there is no choice. Moreover, says the Rebbe, Hashem desired to have a dira betachtoinim. He desired to have, so to speak, a dwelling place betachtoinim in the lowest tier, here, down here. In order for it to be tachtoin, in order for it to be a lowly place in the, the world that we live in, and to bring Kedusha into there, to inject holiness into the tachtoin, the tachtin has to remain a tachtin. Had Hashem allowed that voice to continue throughout, the tachtin would no longer be a tachtin, it would be an elyon, it would become elevated. And in chapter 5, the Rebbe says, this is a lesson for all of us. There are moments in life, there is a time and place when we are in the oil mayat. And a person can argue, you know, I'm here, it's so comfortable, it's so spiritually cozy. Stay here. Why go out there? Why? Why should I expose myself to the cold, to the elements, so to speak, the threats to my spirituality out there in the tachtoin, in the lowly parts of the world, in the lowliness of the world, places that are void of Kedusha, of holiness. Here comes the lesson. Even the voice of Hashem, that Hashem felt compelled to transmit to Moshe, even that stopped.